This is episode number 65 with Brian Bishop. Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, a former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. What is up, greats? Thanks so much for saying hi today and checking in with me. Uh, I've got a very special episode with a new friend of mine. His name is Mr. Brian Bishop. And I got introduced to Brian through uh, another friend, a podcasting friend. His name is uh, Caleb Bacon over at the Man School. He shot me an email and said, hey, you've got to check out this book my friend Brian wrote. And uh, I checked it out, and it was extremely uh, funny, witty, but also... Um, heartwarming as well. Pretty interesting about Brian. At 30 years old, his life was right on track. He was the sidekick to the Adam Carolla show, and his career was taking off. He was newly engaged. His personal life was soaring. And then he was diagnosed with an inoperable brain tumor. And I have never met anyone with a brain tumor. So for me to connect with Brian and kind of learn about his story and hear about the obstacles he's have to face this basically life and death obstacle um, where the doctor said he was given a certain amount of months to live and what he was going to do with that information and how he was going to live from then on out. And this was uh, five years ago and a lot has happened since then. So I thought it was going to be really interesting to bring him on and let him share his story about this. And the book is incredible. It's called Shrinkage. Manhood, Marriage, and the Tumor That Tried to Kill Me by Brian Bishop, and the forward is by Adam Carolla. Really interesting book, and I'm excited to bring him on. If you guys checked out the last episode with Ryan Holiday about The Obstacle is the Way, The Timeless Art of Turning Trials into Triumph, then this is going to be a perfect tie-in for you. So make sure to check out episode 64 as well with Ryan Holiday, where we're talking about The Obstacle is the Way, and it's definitely something that Brian... Uh, took on in full effect with his, you know, life and death obstacle. I wouldn't even say it's an obstacle. It was a, a very serious uh, occurrence. So I'm excited to bring on Brian. He is a, a really funny guy, brings a lot of humor to the show, and has a really cool story. So we'll bring him on in a second. So without further ado, guys, let's jump right in and start this class off right with Brian Bishop. I don't know about you, but when around 3 p.m. hits, I find myself craving the right refreshment to get me through that mid-afternoon slump. New Pure Leaf Zero Sugar Sweet Iced Tea is full-flavored sweet tea, but without the sugar and the calories. It might take several bottles for you to believe that a delicious sweet tea can really have zero sugar and zero calories. But you know what they say, life is full of surprises. Or in this case, full of flavor. New Pure Leaf Zero Sugar Sweet Iced Tea. Try it to believe it. For 20% off your next 12 pack head to amazon and use promo code 20 pure leaf that's promo code 20 p-u-r-e-l-e-a-f for 20 percent off sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential Capella university's game-changing flex path format helps you learn at your own pace and fit earning a degree into your life from before you enroll to after you graduate you'll be supported by people who are invested in your success 
so you can pursue your goals, knowing that help is available if you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Do you think this is your time? What is up, everyone? I'm back with a new guest on today. His name is Mr. Brian Bishop. What's up, Brian? What's happening? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I'm very excited. We have a mutual friend. His name is Caleb Bacon. I wouldn't who, call him a friend, but okay. Well, you know. We know a guy. On the side. We both know a dude. We, yeah, we both know a dude. <laughs> and uh, very funny guy like yourself. And uh, he introduced me. He said, you got you to gotta meet Brian and uh, you got to connect on this book that he has. Cool. And I'm, glad, I'm so glad you liked it. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about this book. It's called uh, Shrinkage, mm-hmm. Manhood, Marriage, and the Tumor That Tried to Kill Me. And it's a, it's a pretty powerful book in the terms of you really lay it all on the line. It's very vulnerable. It's very open. You talk about a scary subject for most. Right. And I don't think I've ever met anyone who's had a tumor. Right. Um, a brain tumor. Sure. And it's not that common. It's not like you walk around the street and no. people are just like, oh yeah, I've got a tumor and I've yeah. got a tumor. So uh, I think you're probably the first person I've had a conversation with that I that I know. Uh, okay, well, I'm honored. I'm, yeah, pl- so. <laughs> I'm honored and flattered. <laughs> Here's your certificate. No. That's right. <laughs> and uh, it's interesting. I mean, it's not fun to talk about probably for some people, and it's probably really scary when you're in it and involved right. in it. And I can only imagine the amount of concern, stress, uh, anxiety that you felt and maybe still do feel today with uh, your experience. So, yeah, I'm excited to dive in on this. Yeah, thanks, man. I wrote it, I mean, for a lot of reasons, but mostly for people like you who've never mm. maybe, you know, when I was going through my treatment or even when I was just diagnosed, you know, my friends for the, didn't know how to act around me because they'd never been around someone with a brain tumor mm-hmm. before or cancer or any of that stuff. And, you know, cancer, we sort of associate with older people or, or people yeah. who smoke or whatever. And I, I'm neither of those things. Um, and so, you know, the, the book is to sort of, for a lot of reasons, but one reason it exists is to sort of, you know, put the pin in that, uh, you know, big balloon that's full of tension, mm. you know, that's full of, you know, nervousness or tension or embarrassment or whatever when you're around someone who has cancer or a loved one, a friend, yeah. uh, whatever. Now, to kind of go off a side point really quickly, sure. just because I feel like we can connect on this, I, uh, I was I just shared in a podcast, my last podcast, uh, that I was raped up when I was five years old by another man. Okay. And for twenty five years I never told anyone. Oh wow. And so I you know Must have felt good to get off your chest though. Felt amazing. Yeah. Felt amazing. It felt freeing, it felt healing. Right. And I started talking about it about a year ago and then sharing it with family, close friends, and then the more I realized that I opened up about it without it allowing to control me and being mm-hmm. scared mm-hmm. to talk about it, the more I realized that it wasn't controlling me. Yeah, when you don't talk about it is when it has the most control exactly. of it. Because you're constantly living in fear of this 
of this information. It's not even, I mean, it's an event that happened, but yes. it happened, I'm guessing, 25 years ago That's or something. five years old, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so, so it, it, it has control over you to this day. Exactly. Or it did, I should exactly. say, until you sort of take ownership of it. Exactly. So in some sense, I can kind of relate to... Uh, you wanting to like talk about it and bring it to the forefront because that's what I've been wanting to do through publicly announcing it and sharing about it, what sure. you can do, like why, you, sh- you know, why, what else you can do if you've experienced this, things like that. So I appreciate your humor yeah. in this book and because I literally laughed out loud a bunch of times when oh, I was sweet. going through it. I was just like, I wish I could write comedy like that oh, you know thanks, it's, like, it's like the stories the way you write it's hilarious yeah they, I, I tried I'm, I know cancer is a serious subject and it's not a fun subject and I tried no. to make it as much um, as appealing to the general yeah. you know to a, to a general audience as possible because yeah, who wants to read a book that's just sad the yeah whole time? of course <laughs> of course I wouldn't want to write a book that's just sad <laughs> exactly. the whole time exactly so let's uh, let's cover some of this stuff tell me a little bit about uh, your background just in general Sure. I'm from the Bay Area, San Francisco Bay Area, mm. and uh, came to LA in, geez, it was 96 to go mm. to college. I went to USC and yep. I never went back. Um, and I sort of found my way into radio uh, via, I was screening calls for Loveline, the radio yeah. show with Adam Carolla and Dr. Drew. Uh, she's around 2002, I guess it was, yep. and did that for a few years and uh, ended up screening calls for the Adam Carolla show, which is which at the time would take over for Howard Stern when he left for yeah. satellite radio. And uh, after a few months of doing that, I was given a shot to be on the air and I was, uh, I, I ran with it. I, I took it and ran with it and I ended up, you know, long story short, and I've been a sidekick ever since basically, ever yeah. since 2006. With Adam Carolla, right? Mm-hmm, correct. And the story about how you got kind of the op- the, the, the moment, the, right. the gig was pretty interesting because you... You got a promotion, and then the show with Adam Carolla like canceled, and so then you got another. You got the gig with him on a new show, which yeah. was like a demotion, right? Oh, totally, yeah. It was, was like a, a callboy again or something. Yeah, I was, a, I was, I was a segment producer on his television right. program for Comedy Central in two thousand five, and that was a pretty, pretty sweet job for someone who was, yeah. I guess, I was twenty six or twenty seven at the time, and uh, was able to do that. It was a, great, it was great pay. It was a great job, and then the show was canceled, and. I had the opportunity to work on his radio show, but I took the lowest job possible because that's all they had. Mm. And I consciously took it thinking, well, this would be a fun thing to do for a little while and uh, I'll do it as long as I can. While you're looking for another job. Yeah, I'll get a real job. And uh, ended up working out obviously in 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 my benefit. Just because I was able to, you know, work hard and now, but how did you get the opportunity of being on the show as opposed to being like this? Uh, what didn't someone leave for vacation? Yeah, what happened was it was five months into the show, and our our sound effects guy on the air, his name is Mike. He had obviously a prearranged wedding in Ireland, so he was gone for that and his honeymoon for two weeks. And they're like, "Well, we need someone to take over this 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 job on the air." And Adam's like, "Well, I don't know if Adam was the one who decided, but it was decided. Let's let Brian give it, you know, right. do it for two weeks." I did it for two weeks. And I guess I was pretty good at it because they gave me the job at that wow. for the end of those two weeks. Um, it worked out for everyone because Mike, the guy whose job it was, was sort of doing two jobs at once. He was mm. the he was the writer, which is a full time job, but he was also doing the on air uh, sound effects. So it was the decision was made to make him the full time writer and to make sure. me the uh, sound effects kick, okay, sidekick cool. guy. And so now you're on full time with Adam on his show, right? Mm-hmm. And you're like the sidekick. Yeah, I'm the, I'm doing the same job essentially. It sort of you know evolved a little bit, but sure. uh, for all intents and purposes, same same job. And are you on every show? Do you speak a lot as well? And you, you have like little comedy segments as well, right? Like yeah, we do. Features. I'm on I'm on every show. I'm I'm in the studio the whole time, so I'm just, I'm yeah. like you know the Fred Norris to his Howard Stern. Gotcha. Um, I talk a little more than Fred probably. 
uh, and uh, do movie reviews and things like that and, sure. and, and games and such. But uh, yeah, just just the sidekick and cool. uh, supporting um, supporting the comedy machine that is Adam Carolla. That's awesome. And yeah. I mean, just reading his his forward alone, I was like dying. I was like laughing. Yeah, yeah. It's that, it starts it's the like, book off right. <laughs> I got a phone call and it was just like hilarious. You got to read the book. Uh, but that's interesting. So what's it been like working with him ever since then? It's great. I mean, it's it, it, number one, it's like, Working with Adam every day is like going to comedy college. You know, wow. he, he's he's the most gifted improviser I've ever been around or ever seen. Wow. And to to be exposed to that and be thrown in and have to participate, you know, with with not a lot of training on my part. Um, you know, he really took a chance on me in 2006. Mm. You know, I was kind of green, and hopefully, I've evolved into a very capable sidekick, <laughs> if not if, if not above average, but at least capable. Um, but he's a you know he's an incredible mentor. Without without taking the role of the teacher, you know what I mean? Yeah. He doesn't instruct you on a lot of what to do, but if you're smart and if you're perceptive, you pick it you'll pick it up for sure. Interesting. Wow. Okay, cool. He leads by example. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. But he's At not least. like teaching you a lesson every day. He, no. He's just doing and you're like, whoa, that's yeah, pretty exactly. cool. I yeah. That. He, uh, he's very skillful in terms of what he can do on the mic. He's wow. incredible. What's the biggest thing you learned about yourself with working with Adam? Oh boy. Well, early on when he was just sort of telling me, telling me how it works in radio, at least for him. He's like, just just keep the ball in the air. Meaning when the conversation's going, just keep the conversation going as opposed to, you know, throwing up roadblocks. You know, it, in, in improv, he, he likes to say it's yes and and not uh-huh. no. You know, it's yes and and not only that, but it's keeping the conversation going. So obviously I was I was aware of that, but to hear it put in such succinct terms, I was like, all right, mm. so that's that's the mission statement. Like trying to get another punchline after the punchline and just continually going with it? You, well, actually... That's the opposite, because because oh. what I've learned, I've sort of picked this up just from just from listening to other you know other comedy podcasts or other comedy bits or whatever, and also participating in the Daily Show is if if you're if you're funny like the, like let's say an Adam Carolla, then just let the conversation happen and the jokes will 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 come mm. as opposed to always be on the lookout for the joke. You know, like sure. where's where's the punchline? Where's the next punchline coming? Like no, just. Keep the conversation going, especially in podcasting. It's so conversational, yeah. you know. It doesn't have to be set up, set up punchline. It can just be conversation, conversation, conversation. You'll end up on something funny. Yeah. You'll, you'll you'll land. You're hopping from lily pad to lily pad. You'll land on a funny one. Right, and you have your own show as well, right? Yeah, I do. Uh, I do a show called The Film Vault, mm-hmm. and there's a weekly movie show, and um, just you know, irreverent movie talk. So okay. don't take it too seriously. Nice, nice. Okay, so you realize. There's a part in your life in 2009, right, mm-hmm. where you start kind of having uh, your 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 mumbling, you're having uh, some some tightness or some uh, numbness, numbness yeah. in yeah. your 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 face, your leg, your your body starts right. to kind of feel numb. And at one point, it gets really bad, and you just start falling over, and your legs start buckling, right? Well, what happened? Was spe- what really precipitated it or exacerbated it was when I would drink. You mm. know, I'd have one beer, and it felt like four. You know, uh-huh. like it it was. I got drunk really easily. And you weren't used to that. I wasn't used to that. Not since I started drinking at age 12. No, (laughs) I started drinking. And so uh, I was like, what the heck is going on? 
And I decided at that point, well, you know, all those symptoms you mentioned, the numbness or the tingling in my lips or whatever, sort of easily explained because I was working for a morning show at the time. I was getting up at five in the morning. I was like, oh my, you know, it's, it's too much caffeine or I'm not mm. getting enough sleep or blah, blah, blah. It was you all easily. You sit on the desk all day or whatever. Yeah, or I'm, I'm, yeah, exactly. I'm so, at the time I was standing, you know, because oh. I stood for the radio show. Uh, so it was like, oh, I'm spending too much time on my feet, four mm. straight hours, you know, it's it, it was easily explained. But then, you know, the the uh, the cumulative effect ended up being oh I should probably see a doctor. Interesting. Okay, because yeah. it started to get pretty bad, right? It, it started wasn't just, just like... started to get more pronounced, and it just was everything. It was a totality of everything, and it was especially with the drinking, where it was like, all right, this is not easily explained. This is the yeah. weekend, and I'm just having a beer, and now I'm feel you know I feel wasted. Right. And is that when you met? So you said, okay, I should probably go see a doctor. And mm. is that the Doctor Doom? Is that who you met? I was. I ended up with Doctor Doom. I met with a, uh, a a kindly old doctor who was an expert in uh, MS. Was sort of his field, but that was at that point that's what I thought I had. And that's what most people thought I had because the symptoms all lined up. I went on WebMD and did the whole thing. And, and you were like, okay. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, that'll make sense. I don't think I've had a stroke. So it's probably, probably MS, multiple sclerosis. And I went to him and he, which is, uh, deals with the muscles. Yeah. The it, it, the it's, muscles. It, it's the demyelination of the, of the, of the brain, basically the she thing that controls, it's complicated. It's boring, sure. but the point is, yes, it, it affects your muscles gotcha. and your coordination and, and all that things, all that stuff. Right. So, um, Went and got a scan, MRI scan, and uh, came back, and obviously didn't have MS. <laughs> I had right. a got a you know glioma, brainstem glioma, which is a brain tumor. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And then uh, the doctor basically said you've got six months. What happened was this doctor, this kindly old doctor, was like, "There's something in your brain called the glioma. I'm not an expert in these, so I'm going to refer you to this other guy." Mm-hmm. In a the, specialist, in, quote yeah, a specialist in the book referred to as Doctor Harold Kumar, not his real name. And so <laughs> I went to him, and uh, he was the one who was giving me all sorts of you know medical mumbo jumbo about not mumbo jumbo, but just explaining in very clinical terms what was going on and showing me diagrams and everything. And I'm just getting fed up because I've been to so many appointments now without knowing exactly what the big picture is. And I'm like, I'm like, Doc, what what what, what, what are we looking at? And he said, typically in these cases, I say six months to a year. Wow. And I was like, holy shit. Wow. But then my next thought was, well, that's not going to be me. Yeah. I don't know if that was foolish or naive or whatever, or denial, but uh, I, 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 right away, I was like, well, we're going to fight this. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And you were, you were engaged at the time. I right? was engaged at the time. With my Christy, fiance right? was there. Christy was there. I was engaged. We were to be married in two months. I mean, it wasn't like, oh, we just got engaged and someday we'll get married. It's like, no, no, we, the, 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 yeah, the deposits <laughs> paid. Like the, the wedding's in two months. Wow. And yeah. it's, it just sounds like she's the most incredible human being reading the stories through this book about what she was able to, how she was supportive and how yeah. she was on your side and, you know, just the, what she was able to experience with your your parents and just the whole she's, situation. She's the star of the book, and for for, for for uh, I'm just for like, good reason. Yeah, I'm just blown away by her character and her love. And she's her a tremendous person. I I could not have gotten through it without her, and I wouldn't have wanted to. You know, she she was um, the light at the end of the tunnel. And it's funny, you guys have a little kind of joke uh, or inside, you know, joke about uh, saying "I love you." Mm-hmm. And well, she said, I love you first. And yeah, she said, said I, she, yeah, when we were dating, <laughs> and now I, I stand by, no, I don't stand by it. It was, it was a mistake on my part. Uh, we were dating and she was the first one to say, I love you. And I, I panicked and I was like, I, I L you, which is not what you want. Look, if you actually do love someone, there's no real harm in saying it. Yeah. Uh, but I, I panicked. What like, were you so afraid of? Oh, I'm, I don't know. I was 27 or whatever right, I was. Right. I was, I was, I was stupid. I was 28 or 29. <laughs> 
and I was just dumb. And so um, I said, I L you. And uh, luckily, testament to Christie's character, <laughs> that became sort of a running gag in our relationship. We still sign all of our cards with I L you because oh, that's, uh, that's so just a funny, uh, funny acknowledgement. That's right. It's, there's it. a picture in there of we were dating at the time. I think we were in. No, we weren't. Were we engaged? 2007. December 2007. So you're so now we just, just met. Dating, right? Yeah, we had we had we had we had just been dating for a few months. You must have just said I. In fact, it was only just before that she said wow. that I wrote I L U in the snow. Uh, we're in this cabin we were staying at. How cute, big bear, right? It's adorable. That's right. That's so cool. So you guys learn about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, the doctor's like, you're basically done in six months. Pretty much. And what, I mean, what did you guys? come up with what did you feel what were you thinking so you were like i'm gonna kick this obviously I'm gonna- i wasn't even that i was gonna kick it it was just that we'll figure something out mm-hmm. there there's got to be another answer you know yeah. i'm not prepared to be gone in six months yeah um again i'm not i'm acknowledging the fact that I may have been naive but that was what i thought and I, I, I think our first thought was let's get a second opinion let's get mm-hmm. someone else to you know because this doctor as i explained didn't have really what you would call a can-do attitude you know it was more like <laughs> Straight to the point. Yeah, what are you going to do? <laughs> and so we were like, let's, we, we got to see the best person we can. And um, not too far from here, actually, is a hospital. About a mile away. Yeah, right? that is, uh, I still go there. All, I'm going there on Monday, a week from Monday. Uh, and it, it's Cedar sinai Hospital, and it's one of the best institutes in the world for treating brain tumors or cancer in any you know respect. But brain tumors especially, they're known for because they have a doctor there named Dr. Keith Black. And Dr. Black is world-renowned. He's one of the all-time you know, leading brain surgeons, uh, especially for, you know, for brain cancer. And, uh, our mission became, let's, let's see this guy. Let's, let's go to, let's go to Mecca and talk to, you know, talk to the guy. (laughs) And, and, um, long story short, all the signs were pointing to him and we eventually, not even eventually, we pretty quickly got in to see him because we had a family friend who was in uh, medical sales and he knew his nurse really well. And Mm. she was able to put me on the books for Monday. And this is a Thursday that we started making these calls. So that's pretty, it was amazing. And we're, I'm, I'm very aware of how lucky I was. Um, and we saw him and it was, it was very funny because he's, He's very zen. He's very quiet, very measured, but he's very confident. And he's 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 a rock star doctor because he's number one. He's so super famous in the, in that community. But on top of that, he just he's, he's the authority. You know, he yeah. walks in to our little meeting area, to his, to his waiting room basically, and he's like, he explains that, you know, he's he's seen these before, these types of tumors. You don't. No one wants to have cancer, but there are much 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 worse types. And he said, like, if this is, you know, if you have to have an operable brain tumor, this is the kind you want to have because it's the best the, kind. We, we can, we can, we, we can treat this. You know, wow. all is not lost. And as soon as we heard that, it was like, well, thank God we found the best guy in the business because he's giving us options. He at least, he's at least giving us hope. He's at yeah. least giving us. Uh, Which is the most important thing, probably, right? It absolutely was because if all, if if it was just despair and all was lost, I don't know what I would have done. Yeah. Um. But it was like, no, we can think. We this is not untreatable, and so we ended up on his team. It's like sold, you know, and, wow. and he's a surgeon. So obviously that was sort of the end of the road because he cuts and there was no cutting. As he explained it to me, uh, the part of my brain where the tumor is, is sort of the Beverly Hills real estate of the brain because it's just too, too valuable. It can't go in there. Every there's cranial nerves that control everything from, wow. you know, you're blinking to your breathing. And so he's like, Oh, a little pigeon. And so he's like, you can't, we can't, we can't go in there. You know, it's just not, uh, not possible. So I'm going to refer you to my guy. When I say refer, I mean, it's the guy on his team who's like, 
you know, he treats inoperable tumors he, and he says, I'm going to refer you to this guy and he's the guy and uh, we'll, we'll take it from here. And I right. was like, great. At least we have a plan. You know, at least right. we have something, something that knows what they're doing to hold on to. Yeah, for sure. And so I ended up with him, uh, this other doctor named Dr. Rudnick and he's, um, he's as much a credit as anybody mm. for, for saving my life. Range Rover Sport leads by example. Picture this. Assertive on-road performance meets commanding all-terrain capability. That's the third-generation Range Rover Sport, which is the most desirable, advanced, and dynamically capable one yet. This vehicle redefines sporting luxury, offering an instinctive drive with engaging on-road dynamics and effortless composure. Now available in sleek, new stealth pack, Carpathian gray exterior wrapped in satin protective film with black accents and black brake calipers. Inside the Range Rover Sport, advanced cabin technologies like active noise cancellation and cabin air purification offer new levels of comfort and refinement. And let's not forget about the award-winning Pivi Pro infotainment system. Enjoy a dynamic drive and total comfort with optional 22-way adjustable heated and ventilated electric memory front seats with massage function. Wow, that's like a spa day while on the go. Design your Range Rover Sport at LandRoverUSA.com. So listen, we all know life is full of yada yada, like those quote unquote free trials that somehow still charge your card for something or when companies have those sneaky gotchas hiding deep in the fine print. And I know you've dealt with yada yada before, like those bills that keep going up and up for no reason at all. Or when budget airlines promise a cheap fare, but then charge you for every little thing until you realize you're paying more than you would have somewhere else. And yes, it is possible to outsmart yada yada, like triple checking airline deals to make sure all you need is already included, but you don't take yada yada in life. So don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. When you get a new car or a new home, your first reaction might be to say things like, oh yeah, or I can't believe it, or booyah. But what you really want to say is the one thing that can get you the help you need. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm is there with the coverage you need for your car, your home, and even boats, motorcycles, RVs, and other things that matter to you. With a State Farm agent, you know someone is there to help you choose the coverage you need. With so many coverage options, it feels good knowing you can find what fits for you. And when you need ways to get help, State Farm gives you options there too. Too, in person or on the phone with your local agent or on statefarm.com where their award-winning app State Farm lets you do things your way. So when you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember to say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Now, you started doing treatments, chemo, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And they had to do it specifically on the tumor. Well, right? that's the radiation. The radiation. The radiation they had to zap, you know, they zapped it d d remarkably precisely on, on the yeah. tumor, yeah. So you had this like Freddy Krueger mask or something that you had to wear yeah, every time, it's right? It's crazy, right? It's like the coolest. So describe it to people because the way I describe it is imagine yeah. a tennis racket that's plastic <laughs> and they heat it up so where it's, you know, super pliable and they stretch it over your face and they bolt it to the slab you're lying on. It's crazy. Yeah, it's, so you're wearing essentially a, a plastic net. It looks like you're being mummified. Right, it does. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know and then mean? you can you can imagine how tight that is that because weird. once I, I'm done, once they've done the radiation for whatever eight or ten minutes or whatever it takes, I have a crisscross pattern on my face that makes me look like a big pink <laughs> lizard. Nice. Yeah. So basically, imagine Brian laying on his back on a on a table and then having his face planted, bolted down with this tennis racket meshing. 
That's pretty much what it looks like. Yeah. And you got to keep it, right? Okay, yeah, they gave it to me. Like, I was, what was I going to do with <laughs> it's like it? like a present. Yeah, I was like, oh, here you, you go. It? I'm like, fuck no. I think I, I'm almost positive I threw it away. <laughs> you don't wear who it wants for, that? Who for, wants that memento in their fun, house? For fun memory, you don't just put it on for fun? Yeah, I tell my friends bring their kids over and I'll terrify them. <laughs> for Halloween. That's, that's right. Or not even Halloween, just a regular day. <laughs> the kids being bad, bring them over and I'll explain to them this is what happens. I like it, man. So you, you went through this treatment and the thing that's interesting is it didn't get better. It started getting really yeah, bad. That, it started getting thing. really bad to the point where you couldn't really stand that often. No. There was moments where you like, you know, you have pictures of you at a wedding. I think it was your brother's yeah. wedding where you have a chair behind you. You can't even stand up when everyone's dancing. You mm-hmm. have to sit down and you know the embarrassment you felt that everyone was staring at you yeah. and that you totally. were taking the attention away from the moment from, you know, the wedding. Yeah. And uh, I was really could, regretful about that too. And, and of course, my brother's like, don't be ridiculous. You know, you were sick, but I was like, right. well, this is your perfect, you know, happy day. And I, I felt like I was, uh, you know, taken away from it. But you're right. It was after the radiation, I got significantly worse. It was a few months of declining health, like seriously bad news because my, you know, the where my tumor is, Dr. Rudnick was explaining to me, it's like a funnel for the rest of your, for your brain, basically. And the information goes down your spinal cord to, you know, your fingertips and your toes and everywhere in your body. And if the, swe- you know, the swelling got so bad of my tumor and of my brain that it was blocking, you know, the, the, the communication down that funnel. Wow. So, I ended up, I was in a walker for several months. I used a wow. walker full time. I mean, to get around my apartment, to get around, uh, I say my apartment, our apartment, to get sure. around Christy and I's apartment. And um, yeah, I rarely went out into the world. I mean, I was I was pretty fucked up. And you had a, I think it was your, it wasn't your wedding, but it was your honeymoon, I think. I think yeah. Where you went to Hawaii, yeah, right? And yeah. you, you have a picture, you always wanted to go to the, uh, the little the swim up bar, the swim up bar. Yeah, I wanted to go to the pool with the bar in it, of course. <laughs> and you never, but you didn't want to go outside because you didn't want to feel embarrassed. Or no, you I, what do you know? It was at that point, it hadn't gotten so bad. I wasn't even on the walker yet, oh, but okay. I, but I was self conscious about. It. I mean, Chrissy had to help me around a lot of places, right. especially when it was wet on the ground. Right. But there's a funny story about that. In fact, um, you may want to link to it on your site because sure. there's a. We just did a. Um, this guy just did an animation for me of that scene from the audiobook of that scene in the pool uh, really? with the bar and everything. He animated Where's that it. at? Will you send it to It's me? on YouTube. And I, okay. yeah, you can either search for it or, or I can send it to I'll you. I'll link but, it up uh, there, yeah. It's, um, it's on there. It's pretty funny. It brings the whole thing to life and it's a pretty, pretty funny story. Sure, yeah. That's a tease for you folks listening. <laughs> That's a tease. Go on to the website and Go check back it out. to the, 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 the show notes, yes. Here's the picture of it. It's so funny. And you talk about like, <laughs> in the book, you talk about how you were like hitting kids in the face or something because yeah. there was a pool nearby and you're like, get so out the, of because you got drugged by your wife. Yes, yeah, so the chapter is titled <laughs> Our Honeymoon or The Time My Wife Drugged Me in a Kid's Pool in Maui. Yes. And uh, it went badly, but, but all's well that ends well. And now yeah. we have a hilarious uh, animation of it. You can check it out. Yeah, you've got some hilarious stories in here. I mean, just like the Velcro shoe stories. Oh, yeah, the old man shoes. Oh, my God. I tried dude. to, you know, so you're, you're, you're absolutely right. It's like, it's a heavy subject. Yeah. Cancer and cancer when you're 30 years old and engaged and all that stuff. But but let's be honest, if you, if you can't laugh at yourself, you know, then what's, what's the point of even going through these experiences? Right. So a lot of these are just sort of embarrassing stories about what happened to me and embarrassing stories about me. And isn't this kind of odd? Isn't this kind of funny? So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's alternatingly lighthearted, but also serious at times. Sure. I mean, it, it's both hopefully. Now what everything changed around is when, you know, things got really bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the walker l- gave way to a wheelchair. I was in a wheelchair for wow. a short period of time and couldn't walk any distance to speak of. And, 
yeah, was it was I mean, I was falling all over the place. I fell in my own apartment. I fell, you know, all over the place, and uh, it was getting bad. And what happened was after the your your treatment was done. How long was the chemo for the treatment? Well, the radiation went for six months or six, excuse me, six weeks, and the chemo was sort of ongoing. Okay, but uh, it was it was not. Um, it's not that it wasn't working. It's just the swelling was just getting so bad, and everything else was just getting so bad. It got worse and worse. Oh, yeah. like your speech got worse. You couldn't walk. I was as well. totally unintelligible. You yeah. were like. Yeah. Couldn't walk, couldn't talk. I mean, I could talk, but I was pretty, I was mumbling pretty badly, slurring my words. And keep in mind, I, you know, the radio show, the radio station had flipped formats like right before yeah. I got diagnosed. So I didn't have a job. And then because Christy, they basically didn't do radio anymore, they were like, we're going to go on a podcast. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because yeah. it's not working. No, what happened was the ratings, the radio down. station was like, the, ra- the ratings weren't justifying the huge salaries there because it was an all talk station. Yeah. So everyone around the clock was being paid morning show salaries, which usually at a normal radio station, you pay those morning show guys, you pay Kevin and Bean or Howard Stern or whoever a shitload of money. And then you just have music the rest of the day. Yeah. They had talk 24 seven. So it was expensive. Do the math. So they were like, we're going to an all music station, which now is a hugely copied format because it's so cheap. The, yeah. the AMP 97.1, I think they have AMP everywhere in the country right. now. So, But you know what I'm talking about, the, yeah. the DJ list, sort of Jack FM type sure. stuff. Um, but anyway, so they laid me off because they, they canceled, they basically flipped formats and they canceled all the shows. And then Christy is an advertising executive and her client was a... Um, was a private jet company and they weren't doing so well either because this is 2009 and the yeah. economy is real bad. And so she, she lost her job. job. Yeah. yeah. And so we're jobless. Uh, we're diagnosed with cancer and uh, I'm newly married. Uh, I'm newly married. And we're falling all over the place. <laughs> wow. Yeah. It's bad times. And luckily she had uh, insurance. Well, no, it was Cobra. my insurance. It oh, was really? my insurance because I signed up for Cobra when I got laid off and luckily the economy was doing so badly that Obama was signing a bunch of extensions into effect. And so what would normally be, I think six months of Cobra ended up being like 18 months, which was, you needed it. I couldn't, I, I mean, I'd be bankrupt today if, if, you know, if I didn't, if I didn't have it. It was like a miracle. Yeah, it was, it was the one good timing of the whole thing was, was that. And even though the Cobra is like, so expensive and it's oh, it was ridiculously like, expensive. It was but, between like a thousand fifteen hundred dollars a month. But for what you had, that was like a steal. Oh, I'm getting I'm getting ten thousand dollar radiation sessions every day. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So do the math. I'd so be, you were like so I'd grateful. Be, I'd be broke, bankrupt within Maybe. a week. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> it's crazy. Within a day, actually. So, <laughs> so basically, things the the radiation is over, and you were hoping that it would start getting better, but actually, gets things get worse and worse. Right. You basically can't speak, can't talk, can't do anything, can't walk. And then uh, you get some good news that there's a potential, another opportunity for Avastin, right? It's called Avastin, yeah. Avastin, Avastin. sorry, and Avastin. What, uh, what, so what, it, what happened was I'm doing real bad. I'm being, I get wheeled in in a wheelchair to my doctor's office. Christy's in the hospital herself because she develops acute colitis because of the stress. The stress, wow. So she's admitted to the hospital. She's there for a day or two in, in a different hospital. So she's conference called in oh my to my gosh. doctor's office. I'm in a wheelchair. Her parents bring me to the hospital. Because you can't really comprehend that much what's going on. It's not even comprehend. It's just I, I, I can, I'm not driving at this point. I certainly right. can get myself there. Um, so I'm, you know, the doctor's like, how's it going? And I'm like, oh, you know, I'm doing all right. Just got to. Just trying to get better. And he says to Christy on the phone, he's like, Christy, how do you think Brian's doing? And she's like, he is not doing okay. He's not getting better. Something's got to be done. Uh, And he's like, yeah, I know. So he's like, we basically have one more, you know, trick up our sleeve, which is this newish drug called Avastin. And we've had some success with it. People sort of fall into three categories. He told me after the fact, they either don't respond. They 
sort of responds or they re- they really respond to the treatment and the treatment really works. And very, very, very fortunately, I found I fell into the group that really responded. Wow. Yeah, and so. within a couple of weeks, there's images that you were just getting a lot better. Like Yeah. So what really happened fast. was at that time, I uh, I, note, I started getting a vast infusions. It's, it's, it's technically sort of a super steroid. It's not oh. really a chemotherapy. That's what I thought it was going to be like a steroid. Yeah. And, and right away... I felt a huge increase in energy. And I was so grateful, grateful because at that point I was sleeping like 18 hours a day. I'm, I'm a cancer patient at this yeah. point. You know, I'm, not, I'm sleeping, I'm not doing anything. I'm losing weight. You see me right there. I'm yeah. drinking a huge fucking frappuccino or something like that because <laughs> yeah. I'm losing weight so fast. I got to yeah. get the calories in me. I'm Mission. actually getting a Vastin at that point in that yeah. picture. I'm, I'm lying in bed, you know, getting an infusion. Is it coming through a vein or yeah. is it going no, they, through they, like they, a muscle? Yeah, no, it's an IV. It's okay, an IV. Yeah, so yeah. They, they, they get it right into your vein. Mm-hmm. And uh, right away, I noticed a big increase in um, just energy, appetite, you know, ability mm. to sort of stay awake a normal period of time. You wanted to walk around probably a lot more. I you, wanted to. I couldn't, yeah. but I wanted to. That's a big... But, but, but having the desire and wanting to is yes. a big thing. Yes. And so uh, within a month or so, I started to notice some real differences. And... That's right about the time they scheduled my MRI to really sort of determine if, if everything was working, if, if the tumor was growing and it was only a matter of time or if the tumor had stopped growing or, or mm. God forbid, even, uh, you know, shrunk. And um, they did, the, they did the, the scan and very, very luckily, the tumor had shrunk by about half. Wow. And that was, a, I mean, happiest day of my life, you know, was, was getting wow. that news. And how long were you on the... I'm still on Avastin. I'm actually getting Avastin on a week from Monday. But I I used to get it every two weeks. And now they've weaned me off to where I'm getting it every two months. And the the tumor, has it shrunk? Does it continue to shrink? Is it kind of just stable? The tumor has shrunk marginally since then. But uh, the fact that it's, as Dr. Black explained to me in my very first meeting with him, he said, um, you know, in in this game, you know, a tie is a win. All we want is a win or yeah. a tie because yeah. if your tumor just stays the same for the rest of your life, then, you're in great shape. You can manage it and have a healthy, yeah. happy life. So if my tumor doesn't ever move again for the rest of my life, I'll be thrilled. Wow. And so the goal is to just keep it where it's at. Yeah. I mean, it's it's shrunk, which is is a, a definite win in our yeah. book, you know, and the fact if, if it either continues to shrink or doesn't, if it just stays the same, uh, I'm, I'm happy to live out the rest mm. of my life, you know, yeah. with a... Uh, if, as we called my wife's blog at the time, an inconvenient tumor. Right, 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 yeah. And she was blogging about it during the whole process. The right? whole time, and the whole had, time. And she had like other other women that yeah. who their husbands were or their boyfriends were having tumors and they were kind of connecting. And Yeah, well, what initially happened was in order to keep, because I'm from the Bay Area, the San Francisco yeah. Bay Area, and to keep my family and friends and everyone sort of informed, just up to date on what's going on, she started this blog. And because by you know by nature of the fact that I was on the podcast and the radio show, there's fans all over the yeah, world who Adam ended Carolla's up fans, yeah, yeah wanted to know what was going on yeah. and how I was doing, and so they followed it too, and it sort of took on a life of its own to where it became this uh, thing that hopefully inspired people or kept them informed yeah. at least. And she ended up connecting because there's other people who do the same thing. They have blogs about their condition and they have blogs about loved ones and whatever. And she ended up connecting with a few people, one of which was a woman named Tyra whose husband, Steve, had a brain tumor in Texas. Uh-huh. Um, unfortunately, he wasn't doing so well at the time, um, but you know, it, it mirrored a lot of my symptoms and a lot of my progress, or regression, if you want to call it that. Sure. And um, so they connected over that, and uh, Steve was a little farther advanced than I was. He'd been having the same thing, but for a little longer. And they were a married couple in their 30s. They happened to have two young kids, and we didn't have any kids at the time. Um, but... Yeah, I remember she was, uh, she got pretty close with Tyra uh, and vis-a-vis, you know, her husband, Steve. Um, and then 
and then Steve died. Steve Steve passed mm. away, and and it was it was devastating to her, mm. especially because she this was this was a comrade. You know, this yeah. is someone who she become friends with, bonded over this horrible coincidence. And the one thing Tyra wrote about it in her blog, I think, I think right before he died, like the one regret she like I don't regret anything. I don't regret my life. I don't regret my, our kids or marrying a man with a brain tumor or anything. Anything. The one thing she regretted was not traveling more. And mm. it was such an oddly specific thing that it really touched me and it really affected me. And I was like, you know, I, I'm whatever I can do. I'm not going to let my wife fiance at the time, my, my young wife have the same regret, you know, if you feel if, held if, back by your con- condition. Yeah. I'm time, like, if yeah. the opportunity ever presents itself, then we're, we're, we're going because I, I understand how, how, fragile life is and how close I am to not yeah. being here, you know? Yeah. And so if the opportunity ever presented itself, I committed myself to uh, making sure that Christy never had that same regret. Wow. Yeah. And you had a fundraiser, right? Where you yeah. raised over six figures and you had like, yeah, a, Corolla, a Corolla threw me a fundraiser. Wow. It was at the, uh, the Ebell theater on Wilshire on Wilshire, which is a historic theater. It was awesome. It was 1200 people. We sold wow. it out pricey tickets too. And people really, really showed up to help. What was a band? What, what band was band, that? Bad Religion played. Oh, wow. And uh, the Dan band too, who was in uh, The Hangover and the, fun, <laughs> the, the, the Funny weddings, Wedding Band. The Wedding Singer Band. That's right. Yeah, the yeah. Funny Wedding Band. <laughs> they're, they're, they're awesome, by the way. Funny and they, they perform really well. And comedians, Joel McHale was there and great, great comics wow. like Greg Fitzsimmons, Dana Gould, uh, uh, Larry Miller, just some of my favorite favorite comedians, wow, and Carol hosted the whole thing, and wow. Kimmel showed up, and Dr. Drew was there, and it was wow. a, it was a huge huge thing, and uh, we raised a ton of money, and it was so it was so incredibly heartwarming, but also helpful because keep in mind I'm I'm starting to recover, but I'm still y- years away from working again. Christy can't work because she's my 24 hour a day caregiver, wow. so we lived off that money for a year a year and a half. I mean that was our that was our everything, our rent and our car payments, and yeah. that was everything. And 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 you traveled as well to Italy. Yeah, and, and you talked and, about you know feeling maybe guilty. Like, should I? Shouldn't I? I absolutely. I I. So what happened was that was in November. And in February, we went to San Diego. That was the first time we spent really any of the money. We went to San Diego for a week-long therapy session with this sort of world-renowned right. therapist. And he, he got... Is the inpatient yeah. therapy or the... No, no, that, that's later. That's... Um, okay. It's later in the book, but it's. Uh, I saw the picture of you, like yes, be, exactly, yeah. being being hauled over this guy's back. His name is Walid, <laughs> and he's kind of a character, but he's a world-renowned therapist, and it wasn't cheap, but had to do it. He got me back on my feet. No pun intended. Wow. I mean, he literally got me back on my feet. And as soon as that week was over, and as soon as I started walking again on my own, I felt. As soon as I felt even just the slightest bit better, I said to Christy, "I'm like, pack your bags. We're we're going to Italy." Wow. And we, we had to talk about it. Like, you know, like how, how's this going to look? We just, you know, we just had this fundraiser. We essentially just cried poor and now we're going, you know, we're taking a European vacation. <laughs> but I'm, I, I really thought, I really thought that number one, I, I, I was, I honestly didn't care. I was like, people are upset. What are you going to do? But I, I honestly thought that people would understand. They would understand yeah. that, you know, having looked death in the face like that, that, you, you know, want to live life. Not even live life, but just you're you're right. Yes, and um, it would it was a it was a signpost for me that I was getting better. Mm. And it was it was you know cancer took away a year of our lives and threatened to take away the rest of my life. And now that mm. you know this this um, opportunity presented itself, I was gonna I was gonna grab it. And there's a great story you talk about when you're in Italy because that's I remember this time is when the whole 
the volcano yeah. thing happened. I was there. In Iceland or whatever. It was an Icelandic volcano. I think I was in London at the time. Okay. And I got out right before. Oh, okay. The day before. Oh, you're on happened. my flight, you son of a bitch. <laughs> you got my seat. Yeah, exactly. And uh, it's interesting because your wedding wasn't that, you know, wasn't the way you wanted it to be, right? Right. Well, I was, I was go. I was, I just finished radiation and chemo. Yeah. So you were out of it. You were, you know. I wasn't at my best. It wasn't your best. And you have a list of, I think, 10 regrets, 10 yeah. regrets right? Mm-hmm. And one of them was you didn't write your wedding vows. Right. Right? And then you went to Portofino in Positano. Italy. Sorry, Positano. Positano. I mean, it's same letter. It's Sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you went to this church. I think your parents were at or, or, or something. My parents had renewed their wedding vows there yeah. just a few years earlier. And so... And my, we weren't supposed to be there. The only reason we ended up there because was because of the, of the, volcano. the volcano. We were yeah. grounded for a week. Or they're like, you can't leave the country. Mm-hmm. And... I mean, it sounds, you know, it sounds awesome having to be forced to spend a week in Italy, but at right. that point we're over, you know, we, we'd reached Stressful. our budget, we reached our budget. We didn't know when we we're flying home. I had to get back for a chemotherapy infusion. So we're like, oh, I guess we'll drive to Positano because Rome is expensive <laughs> and we don't want to spend a week in Rome. Yeah. 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 So we drove to Positano. So did you ever re, uh, write your vows or redo your vows to? No, to we should probably a five year wedding anniversary coming up. Mm. No, but. But we had this great moment in the church, which you're alluding to, which yeah. was, it happened to be, it's just the way these things work. It happened to be on the five-year anniversary of my, di- oh no, on the one-year anniversary of my diagnosis. And it was one, year, one year to the day wow. that we were there, uh, that I we gotten the worst news of our lives and that I was going to be possibly dead within a year, you know, six to 12 months. And here it was. A year starting later, to, starting to feel better. A year later, and I'm feeling great. I wow. mean, feeling much better than I had been. Yeah. And we're traveling, and we're doing what we should be doing with our lives. Mm. And uh, you know, it was a it was a very emotional moment and a very um, triumphant moment. You know, yeah. it's, it's a, it was a great it was a great ending for the book that we that we were able to, yeah. to end on that moment. And you've got these ten regrets, right? Right, right. Things you never. Uh, did right well they're, they're a combination of things i did things i never did i mean they're mostly uh-huh. the thing about regrets as i observe them is they're things you should have done or you wish you'd done mm-hmm. um a few peppered in there are things i did do but uh yeah so i, I you know mixed in with some cancer stuff is just some random you know humorous you know, tongue sure, type sure. stuff. one of them that connects with me is the not being able to go to the USC Ohio State game in 2009. I'm a huge oh, Ohio yeah, State fan. Oh, yeah, from Ohio. That's right. Huge Ohio State fan. And I remember this is the game Ohio State lost because... They lost both games. Yeah. I, well, I'll, t- I'll, I'll remind <laughs> you about that. The tight end who I actually did a workout with, I'm forgetting his name right now, dropped the ball in the end zone. Oh, uh, yeah. When they would have won. It was a close game. It was like 15-13 or yeah, something like that. Yeah, and the minute, last minute or something, and he drops the ball, and I was like, man, that's a bummer. Yeah, but I was supposed to go out there because I not only had a good friend who lived in Columbus, but I'm a huge USC fan, right. and I had a, a, a friend who was flying his, his, his for flying people out in a private jet and I'm like god damn it of all the games to have to miss because I'm <laughs> goddamn cancer ridden yeah 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 it was horrible and did you actually play with Tom Brady I in did. high school well he played with me <laughs> yeah but I yeah, I, picture. I played with Tom Brady how were you the same year uh, he's a year older than I was wow and what position were you I was left out. Um, I was I was uh, offensive line. I was I was I was white and, and slow, so sure. I was offensive lineman. Gotcha. Yeah. Did you actually block for him? He was varsity, and I was junior varsity. Oh, okay. But yeah. we 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 practiced together a lot because sure. it's a small school. So sure. um, I guess I did. I guess I did block for him occasionally. Right, and, right. And practices and scrimmages yeah. and stuff. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Um, I knew him better as uh, he. We were both on the on the newspaper staff together. Oh, I was wow. the. Uh, we were both on the sports section. I ended up being the editor in chief the next year. But when sure. he was there, we were both on the sports. Interesting. Section. Do you still still stay in touch? No, I don't even know if he'd know who I was. Sure. I mean, 
I'm sure if you reminded him, but if you were like, right, hey, right. Brian Bishop said hi, he'd be like, Who the, what the fuck are you talking yeah, about? Right. I'm a goddamn multimillionaire. <laughs> yeah. <on my> face. <laughs> With the hottest wife in the world. Okay, pretty much. Um, so one of the, it's a tough life for Tom. Yeah. One of the things you talked about is... Uh, being, not being properly diagnosed with ADHD as a child, and you cover, you talk about all these different symptoms. You're hilarious in the way you like write about all these things as well. Oh, thanks. I, I can't find the page, but I, I feel like I oh, was, it's early in the book. It's yeah. like chapter two or I, three or something. I feel like oh, here we go. All the different symptoms of ADHD, I guess. Right. Um, but the way the way you respond to each one is really funny. Yeah, I, but, I was a classic. I was a classic case. But I feel like, you know. I look at all these and I'm like, I kind of feel like the same way about myself as a child. I was, sure. I was very, it was very hard to pay attention and, and, uh, remember things. And when people talking to me, I, I didn't feel like I was, you know, could remember everything. Well, so. the, the, the proof in the pudding is when we were talking just now, you and me and a fucking pigeon. Came up, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Oh, look, a pigeon. Yeah, yeah, I didn't yeah. have to say that. I could have let it go, yeah, yeah, but yeah. something in me compelled me to say to the audience who cannot see it. Oh, look, a pigeon. And <laughs> yeah, they're like, yeah. what the hell is he talking about? I took about? a picture of it. I'll put it in the show notes <laughs> for people to see. Just so, so you can prove that I'm not, yeah. I'm not, the cancer isn't back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but why do you, why do you regret not being properly diagnosed with ADHD? or the symptoms of that as a child. And I think it was your mom that said, no, you don't have this. And why does that I regret? My parents were a little dismissive, but I think that it was, um, it would have made my life a little easier in terms of, I detailed in there how in my childhood, I had such a hard time in school with not doing assignments and not remembering things and constantly yelling out in class and everything. And it was always, you know, it, it, my teachers and my parents went to great lengths to sort of try to mitigate that by mm. having me, you know, do extra, you know, steps to get my homework done or to, you know, the bad, you know, t- detention or bad reports home from school. And if the explanation had been as simple as, oh, he has severe ADHD, there would have been like, Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Maybe we can get him on some medication or something. Right. That way, the, his behavior is explained, as opposed to he doesn't like doing homework, or he's insolent, or he you know he he likes to be disruptive in class. Like right. I don't like to be disruptive in class. You just can't. Focus. It's kind of what I do. Cool. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so I think it would have made my life a lot easier. That's I think it would have made my life a lot easier just in the sense that there would have been a reason or explanation for why these things were happening. Now, do you feel like you'd be where you are today if you would have been diagnosed with that or had you know? support in that area when you're a kid or would you be in a completely different career i don't think it would have made a difference i think i would i think i ended up when the with the job that was right for me because as i pointed out the job is kind of uh, what i do on the on the crawl show i'm a sidekick i do the sound effects um it's kind of um it utilizes it it makes um lemon lemonade out of lemons you know what i mean like i have these adhd qualities where i blurt it things out or i it's can't perfect. always control my out and if i'm doing sound effects i'm literally mm-hmm. trying to sneak in a sound effect in between people's right. you know sentences so it's kind of <laughs> it's perfect for you it's kind of perfect for me you know so i i i think i ended up with um with the job that utilized my uh mm. my skills quote unquote the best i mean everyone should be so lucky to have a career that 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 turns a negative into a positive. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like if so, I mean, you know, like a Mike Tyson is an example who was probably a kid who was full of rage and angry, but he ended up being the best boxer, you know, yeah. of his generation. Yeah, interesting. That's an extreme example. We can all be Mike Tyson, but <laughs> yeah. yeah. So what's your biggest fear moving forward, Brian? My biggest fear moving forward? Well, geez, of course, you know, I, I'd be terrified if the cancer, you know, came back, if the tumor started growing again. But I'm just, uh, my biggest fear is that the book is not a success and that people don't buy it. Now, I, I, I mean, I try and live without, you know, too much. Um, I, I don't worry about, 
as I mentioned in the book, I don't worry about what happens. I worry about my reaction to it because what happens is largely uncontrollable right. and you can control your reaction. So, sure. um, of course I'm afraid of, uh, you know, I don't, I don't want my tumor to start growing again, but if it does, I'll have to, we'll have to take some steps to, sure. to, to, to arrest it. But there's nothing you can do about it until yeah, there's absolutely nothing. Yeah, yeah. So, and that's so the thing. Worry. Yeah, exactly. Why live, you know, why live your life? every day worried that you know something's going to go wrong because next thing you know a year or two or five or ten have passed right. and you're like oh i've lived every day of my life afraid yeah what, what kind of life is that yeah not a life worth living it's easier said than done i'm not yeah. trying to be instructive to people especially to like, when you have a tumor yeah and I, I, there's, there's things to be afraid of rightfully yeah, so but sure. uh, do your best to, to live your life and how important is music to you Really important. I, I, there were a whole chapter in there about my feel good playlist. I woke up one morning thinking I'm, I'm about to go through chemo, I'm about to go through radiation. I need to have my, my, my songs in order, a playlist so that I can uh, listen to them and uh, feel good. You know, I can inspire myself and yeah. I put them all together. That's another thing you can link to, by the way, because I made the playlist on songs and actually okay. exists so Perfect. people can listen to it if they want. I'll do that. But uh, yeah, I had to put together some songs. It's like a Brian of, Bishop playlist. Yeah, so it's, it's called Brian, Brian Bishop's Feel Good Playlist. Okay, cool. I'll, I'll send you a link to that cool. too. But uh, yeah, it's um, just a whole collection of songs that meant a lot to me or that were inspiring or that mm-hmm. just made you feel good so during these treatments when you had this uh tennis <laughs> racket mask on, uh, that's right you would you live to listen to it during those or would you just have to be like in meditation those like? i could not but it was only 10 minutes long gotcha. so the, the, I, I couldn't bring obviously my whatever into their little you know radiation yeah, room yeah. but there were plenty of times where i had the opportunity you know driving to and from the hospital sure, um when I was, yeah, meditating or even just getting ready in the morning you know just uh start the day off right what would you think about during those radiation treatments what was like going through your mind were you trying to think positive thoughts were you really analyzing your life were you just trying to get through the, the moment all of the above, uh, I think mostly, when it started off, I was so overwhelmed with trying to get things in order in my life, yeah. trying to make some sense and some order of you know the things I had to do, not only that day, but that week, that month, whatever. And so uh, keep in mind, the wedding's two months away. So oh you know, I'm gosh. like, oh shit, things, I have a batch of party coming up. I got Jeez. this, I got to email this person and follow up on this. So um, I'm going through a list of things in my mind, but then after a few weeks of that, you know, I, I'm on the slab at the radiation room and I'd been doing, you know, positive visualization and guided meditation and yes. things like that because... Did you have someone in particular that you were working with? I or? did. I had a woman named Barbara who was a mother of a friend of mine and she sort of did that professionally. She did a lot of that healing stuff and very uh, new age metaphysical sure. stuff, which I'm not... It's not really my bag, but I'm also... I'm a... I'm a what would you call it? I'm a, um, a hopeful skeptic. I'm like, yeah. I don't think so, but man, if that'll work, I, not only I'll try it out, but I'm opening, I'm open to the possibility that it works. I, I'm, I'm not going to say no, because in my mind, the people who say, no, that's bullshit. I absolutely know for a fact that's bullshit, whether they're talking about God or they're talking about meditation or whether they're talking about ghosts or whatever. How do you know? How do you know that's yeah. bullshit? You, you may suspect, you may believe it, but you can't know. That's arrogant. That's so incredible. That's 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 the same as people who say I hundred percent believe it. I know for a fact it's true. Yeah, yeah. That's to me. That's exactly the same thing in my mind. I like to exist somewhere in the middle of like, okay, it does. It's probably not true, but who knows? If if, if tomorrow a ghost came to me and be like, hey, I'm here, I'd be like, okay, well there you go. <laughs> I guess it's true. So so I'm doing the positive visualization. I'm doing the the meditation and everything. And did it work for you? I mean, it, it definitely worked to sort of put my mind at ease to yeah. center myself to, to organize my thoughts to quiet my mind 
all that stuff. And in order to fight something like cancer or any any illness or anything big in your life, mm-hmm. I really do believe you need to have your life firing on all cylinders. And you know, emotionally, you need to be good. Physically, you need to be strong. You need to be strong to fight yeah. off the effects of radiation and chemotherapy. But I also think spiritually, you have to be you have to be centered. You have to be cool with yourself, or whatever you want to call it. You put it in layman's grounded, terms, or whatever, yeah, yeah, grounded. You know, have a clear mind, be in a positive space, whatever you want to call it. I'm open to calling it whatever. But you need to have your mind right. You need to put your mind straight. Yeah. And so I did a lot of that, and I heard a cool thing, which a lot of it I will say footnote has to make sense to you. Like if you're doing something that doesn't make sense to you, you don't believe in, it's not it's not, not, gonna it's not, gonna, yeah. it's not worth it. But one thing that made sense to me was when you're getting radiation, visualize your tumor and visualize what it's doing and, and make your mind work that way. And I was like, that's interesting. So I visualize, you know, we all have our touchstones and our references. My touchstone was the arcade game centipede, you know, where you're, you're the little, you know, spaceship shooting the centipede, the pew, 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 pew. And I was like, I imagined it was shooting those little uh, mushrooms. It was shooting away, just, you know, pew, 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 just shooting away at, wow. the, at the tumor until it was no, no more. And that's what I visualized. And that's what uh, happened. whether or not it worked or not, it helped me to ease my mind and put myself in a good headspace. And I encourage anyone to think mm. the way that works for them. It's interesting. I have, uh, you know, just a brief story about when I was in college. I was playing college football. In my freshman year uh, in college, I started getting these like plantar warts or something. Sometimes a little like painful. On your feet. On my feet. Yeah, yeah. Like a lot of them. And to the point where I couldn't run anymore. It was just so painful just stepping. Every time with these cleats like jamming up into my bottom of my feet. And I remember my sister put me through some guided meditation like that where she said to visualize these like plantar warts or whatever and visualize being in a river, your body in a river, and the water is flowing through your, your head and down and out your feet, down and out your toes, and those plantar words are like flushing out. Wow. And just visualize it over and over, and I did that, and literally within like, it was happening for like months, and then after I started doing that, they all went away. That's amazing. And I was like, I don't know if it's just timing. No, or did you take what? any medicine or anything for no it? No medicine. Or? Wow, that's no, amazing. No medicine. So, so I don't know. You know, it worked for me. Yeah. Whether, it, but you, but you believed it. You, like, you bought in. It. Yeah. it made sense to you. It did. Yeah. So that's the thing is, I can see skeptics being like, "This is bullshit." Find some version of it that isn't yeah. bullshit. It makes yeah, sense yeah. to you, you yeah. know. And and uh, what's the harm? Yeah, what, what's exactly. the harm? Exactly. Yeah. If it works, who knows? Yeah. And what I really like about this book is you've got these cool little tumor tips. Yeah. And how to get a tumor. <laughs> yeah. And you should create like a Sarah, my assistant, was telling me you should create a pamphlet just with the tumor tips. Oh, really? And like give that to to tumor patients or people with. Uh, tumors. Fuck them. They got to buy the book. <laughs> well, that could be the free sample. And okay. then you sell the, For more. Sell the book. Yeah, exactly. Um, but there was one that I really liked. I can't find it right now. I peppered it, the book throughout with tumor tips. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're practical tips, not just for people with cancer, but also people with any major illness or any right. major condition or or people who want to be a help to, to people who have a major condition or some right. sort of situation. One, I think it was towards the end of the book where you really talk about gratitude. Mm. I believe. <laughs> I don't know if that's tumor tip, but I, but I definitely talked. I remember, maybe it wasn't the tumor tip. But I remember it talking part, about it, though. It was a part towards the end of the book where we really talked about being grateful, mm-hmm. um, and how important it is being gratitude, uh, grateful for you, and, and what are you grateful for? Well, I I'm I'm very I'm very cognizant of how lucky I am. Of how lucky I am. Number one that I responded to the treatment. Number two that my tumor is shrunk and that I ended right. up with great doctors. And you might not call that lucky. You might call it, uh, it worked out or I'm fortunate yeah. or, 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 you know, these things happen for a reason, but I'm, I'm constantly aware of how 
lucky I am that I live uh, with, at the time, I lived a stone throw from Cedars and that I had access to these great doctors and that I had a family and friends and a fiance, most of all, who who cared so deeply for me and mm. were able to help. And I, I'm, I'm aware constantly of how lucky I am that I have a great job and I'm on the you know best podcast in the world or at least the most popular or most yeah. downloaded or whatever. And so... Always in the top 10 or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah the, you know, the Guinness Records thing and all right, that. Right. So I'm very aware of how fortunate I am. So I think just being aware, for me, just being aware of, of, of what I've been given and what I've been allowed to do. And, uh, you know, I'm aware of how lucky I am that Adam decided to take a chance on me right. back all those years ago. You know, if yeah. he hadn't, I probably wouldn't be talking to you today like I right. am now. Right. But I am, and I'm constantly aware of that, and it's always in the back of my mind, right next to my tumor, it's always in the back of my mind that this is what is propelling me forward, is all, all this, this uh, you know, accumulation of, of, of lucky, lucky breaks. Right, right. It's awesome, man. Well, what's the one thing that you want people who maybe you know, like me, who aren't really exposed to others mm. with t- tumors or with cancer, brain tumors, what's something that you want uh, someone like me to get away from this book or why should someone check this out or what's the, what's the conversation we should have or what should we be aware of? I think the overall thing for some, maybe maybe you're a good example for someone who's not really exposed to this kind of yeah. world. And I think eventually, I know eventually, everyone's going to be in this world, either themselves or a loved one know or a someone. friend yeah. or parent or whatever it is, you're someday going to be adjacent to the cancer world. And I, I hate to say that, but the chances are extremely good that you will be affected by this in some way. Um, and I hope that overall, more than anything, uh, people realize from from the book that it's it's a scary thing mm. and it's a serious thing. But it isn't all scary, and it isn't all serious. There, there, there are times when you're allowed to smile, and there's times yeah. when you're allowed to joke, and there are times when you're uh, need to step back and and take a breath and say, "All is not lost." And it's probably helpful to joke and smile, and and you know, absolutely. I, I hope so. I mean, it helped me, and uh, I hope that uh, those those times when when you can uh, laugh at yourself are uh, are, are helpful. Right. And uh, so I want to I want to do the final question, which is what I ask all my guests. I'm going to videotape before he's here. Sure. I'll see you now. Um, and that's what's your definition of greatness? Oh boy. Well, I think um, you know who put it best, or at least put it in a way that I really like, is uh, John Wooden, legendary basketball coach John Wooden for UCLA. He would often tell his players, "Don't worry about." Don't worry about beating the other team or or playing better or even uh, uh, what the final score is. You just worry about doing your best, what mm. you're the best that you're capable of, and you'll be happy with the result. Now, whether you win or lose, that's one thing. But if you play your best, then you're gonna you're gonna appreciate the result. And for all of us, just do your best. I love it. Thank yeah. you so much, my man. And where can we get the book at? Where can we connect with you online? Well, you can get it right here in front of you. But for the rest of us, <laughs> I've got the advanced copy. <laughs> the um, you do have an advanced copy. I'm so yeah. glad they got you a copy. Yeah, it's um, nice. It's a very nice book. Good. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, I'm so glad you read it too. I, yeah. I know how it is in our it's, in our business. It's hard to read everything that comes across so your desk. So many books. I've got like just books galore, man. It's crazy. Uh, but I'm I'm very flattered. Thank you. If you yeah. want to get it. Um, it's it's available everywhere. everywhere. The, the publisher would prefer you get it through Barnes and Noble it's or Walmart dot com. It's even at Walmart, but it's Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Amazon, everything. Barnes and Noble. They're within ten cents of each other, so just uh, go wherever you go wherever you like. And it's a really fast read. I mean, it's a story. It's uh, it's it's got a lot of ups and downs, but it's a lot of fun. And Thanks, your, man. your humor is what make you know. I was Sarah was laughing out loud through the whole thing. Nice. I was laughing out loud when I was reading parts of it. 
And, uh, you know, I don't read that much in general. Sure. So, None of us do. So when it's something is funny and I can keep me hooked, I really appreciate the, the cleverness. The Thanks, man. Well, there's an audio book, too. If you're not a, if you're not a reader there reader, go. there's an audio book. There you so go. Put it in your ears. So everyone go check out Shrinkage, Manhood, Marriage, and the Tumor That Tried to Kill Me by Brian Bishop, forward by Adam Carolla, and a nice little quote by Jimmy Kimmel on the front. That's right. Always good to be the third most famous person <laughs> on your own cover. <laughs> Exactly. But I, I appreciate you so much for, for coming on, for sharing, and for opening up. Thanks for having me on, man. I had a lot of fun. I appreciate it. There you have it, guys. I hope you enjoyed this episode with Brian. If you did, make sure to head back over to lewishouse.com slash 65 the number is 65 and you can check out all the show notes there uh, some of the videos and images that we talked about will be up on the site at lewishouse.com slash 65 and again if you enjoyed it please share this with your friends over on Facebook on Twitter post a picture on Instagram and uh, tag myself at Lewis House and let me know where you're listening to the School of Greatness all over the world. It's been fun every single day to get images with you guys posting from your workouts, hikes in the mountains, tropical paradises. So continue to post that online so I can connect with you and let me know which episode you like the most. Also, we were featured on the homepage of iTunes this last week. I don't know if anyone saw that, but a big thank you to iTunes for featuring the School of Greatness with Alexis Cara on there. And uh, if you guys are enjoying the show still, if you have not yet left a review, I would love it if you left a review. It really helps the rankings on iTunes and gets the show out there to more people when it's higher in the rankings. So again, subscribe to the School of Greatness. Leave a review. Go ahead and subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher, or whichever you prefer. And uh, continue to check it out and share it. It means a lot to me. I appreciate you guys so much for listening and for commenting on the site, which you constantly do, for sharing it. I love you guys so much for this, and uh, I'm going to continue to bump up the shows and do probably two shows, maybe three shows a week because of the positive feedback I'm getting all the time. So thanks so much for tuning in today and listening to this episode with Brian Bishop. You guys know what time it is. It's time to go out there and do something great. Do you think this is your time?